Welcome to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. First things first, gentlemen, Happy New Year, and how are you tonight? You too. Doing good, good guys. How are you? you. Good. Uh, not looking forward to going back to work tomorrow, and Kirchin, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, these, these. <clears throat> excuse me, these vacations don't last as long as people think. People think, oh, you guys have it so good. You know, you, you get the next number of days off. It's like, yeah, but like any other vacation, you blink and it's over. So, no, not looking forward to that. But Patriots at 8-8 eight and eight are in the playoff hunt. Big week here in New England. Big game on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Buffalo. That's going to be our primary focus here. But before we get to that, I do want to remind you, that if you are looking into selling your current home or you are a first-time home buyer and want to get pre-approved for a mortgage, give our good friend Herb Devine a call at 781-254-2846. You can also go to situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available to answer any questions you might have. They are available anytime, including nights and weekends. The market's going to start heating up here now that we're into the new year. If you want to get in an early jump on that spring market, if you're ready to sell or buy, and you need a loan officer, you need someone in the mortgage industry who's experienced, then Herb Devine's your guy. Again, like I said, give him a call at 781-254-2846, or you can reach out uh, to Herb via email at situate.mortgageright.com. All right, gentlemen, Patriots pick up a much-needed 23-21 win yesterday over the Miami Dolphins. Look, the game was ugly in my opinion. Stone, you were there, I was there, we witnessed it. It was not pretty. Kirchin, you watched it. They found a way to get it done. They got to 8-8. Eight and eight. Now they have a win-and-you're-in scenario on Sunday at Buffalo. We'll break that down. We'll get into that. But let's get some initial thoughts on yesterday's game, a game that I thought was really a battle between two mediocre teams. The Patriots were able to make a couple more plays. They got a couple more stops. That was the difference. That's why they won. Yeah, I mean, after the first drive, I, I tweeted this during the game. I thought at that point the first team to 10 was going to win. Um, that first drive was nice, you know, but after that, again, it's just – it's a slog to watch this offense. But, you know, you mentioned it. I will say some of the throws that Mac had yesterday, there's one that's burned in my mind. It's the one to Henry um, up the seam. I think it was – I think it was the drive to make it 23-14, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, if he can make throws like that, then sure, he can be the guy, but – we just don't see it consistently enough. Um, for me, it's about the defense some more, though. You know, we keep talking about this defense. I, I keep saying it since August. Um, but they keep showing up, and they keep basically bailing the team out. So, look, if you have a defense that can keep you in games this time of year, you have a shot against anybody. So, do I think they're going to be Buffalo? I know we'll talk about it. No. Um, but, again, if, if that defense is going to be elite, you get a shot whenever you take the field. Uh, I completely agree with you, Kev. I think that was my takeaway. The whole game was just this This defense is a playmaking defense. I don't know how you can have that, but that's what they've been. I mean, they make plays. They, the pick six totally turned the game around. Um, and that's what, as a fan, I mean, look, I'm not holding out hope that the offense is going to come around. I just don't think this is the year for it. But the, if the defense is going to score points, not just make stops, but score points, then you got to go with it, man. So uh, it's it's a it's a heck of a season by the defense. It really just keeps the team in the game. 
And um, I did think Mac played okay. You know, he, you know, he didn't turn the ball over, um, you know, and he was, he was nails on that last drive. So look, you got to be encouraged, I think, by how the team responded. Yeah, I, I think, look, the thing with Mac is, and, and again, we have this conversation, it seems, week in and week out. I think a lot of their same problems are still their problems after yesterday. They can't protect him. He he ends up taking some sacks when he shouldn't. But I the one thing I will say about yesterday that did impress me about him was is how well he played in the second half. You mentioned that throw to Hunter Henry. That's what you love about Mac Jones. If you can give him time, that intermediate and vertical accuracy is there. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the league. He's, he probably doesn't even have a, a top 20 arm in the league. But he is accurate vertically. He can throw the ball 40, 50, maybe 55 yards on the field, but he can be accurate and he can put touch on it. And I thought he showed that at times throughout the game yesterday, but particularly in the second half. When you look at his stat line, 20 of 33, 203 yards, two touchdown passes. He only had a QBR of 39, though. Um, we don't need to beat the dead horse with the defense. John Lyons and I talked about it in the postgame show yesterday. I feel like that's the conversation week in and week out. We bitch and we moan about the defense, they at the offense rather. They are what they are at this point. And, and and we've got one week of this left, and we'll see what changes after the season. But they got enough out of this offense yesterday that they were able to win this game. Now, as far as the defense is concerned, look, the defense is the whole reason why they're a 500 football team and they're in position to make the playoffs. They scored their seventh defensive touchdown yesterday. Wow. Four of those have been by Kyle Duggar, who, in my opinion, is a superstar now. He is entering that realm. He's that good. It's a more the only thing that I think can keep him from truly being a star in this league is consistency. He still can be a little inconsistent, especially in coverage. But make no mistake about it, he was on the precipice of a breakout year last year. I think he had that breakout year this year. Now, this defense does concern me at times. It concerned me at the end of the game there where they gave up that touchdown to make it 23-21. They still have these momentary lapses where they they take their foot off the gas. The pass rush isn't as aggressive. The secondary falls asleep at the wheel. They had a couple of opportunities yesterday to make some plays in the secondary. They didn't. All that being said, the secondary also played really well considering the fact that they were thin without the Jones brothers. Jack Jones, of course, done for the year. Marcus Jones was out with a concussion. I, the My biggest issue with yesterday is, once again, this is a football team that sucks at playing situational football. And it's the decision-making that really bothers me. First half, you have a third and one, you throw the ball. And I get it. The running game has not been very good six out of the last eight weeks. You take away that Vegas performance where Ramondre Stevenson had 179 yards rushing. That aside, the running game has not been very good. But you did get Damian Harris back. And while he had a healthy amount of touches yesterday, you can start to try to run the football more and be more patient with the running game now because you have both of your backs healthy. Harris is fresh. He's been out a while. So that really bothers me that that they're, they were so quick to throw the football in some of those short yardage situations yesterday. The other thing is when they're up 23, when they're up 23-14, they have that fourth and one late in the game. They decide to go for it. Why not kick the field goal there? If you make it, it's 26-14. You're up by 12. Even if they go down and score, which they did, now it's a 26-21 game. Even if it's a 26-22 game, they need to score a touchdown to win. 
So some of the decision-making is just baffling to me. They continue to struggle when it comes to situational football, both as a team and as a staff. This is so unbelichick. We're not used to seeing this around these parts. And we saw it again yesterday, and, and I got to tell you, they're going to have to coach their asses off on Sunday. We can't have this dithering and this indecisiveness when it comes to situations. They're going to need to do a much better job because there's going to be a very, very thin margin for error against Buffalo. Not taking that field goal was so surprising. Um, literally everybody in the press box said, what the hell? Um, well, but I don't but, – but here – my issue is this. Before you go, you go any further. I don't. Yeah. If you go for it on fourth and one, I don't agree with the decision, but I hated the play call. The play call bothered me. Fine, go for it. I don't care. You know what? In this day and age now, coaches are going for it more and more on fourth down. And I know, I'm sure that there were people in the in the in the uh, crowd that were complaining. I'm sure all the coaches in the press box had more solutions, including including Coach Stone. But the truth of the matter is run a better play in that situation. And this is why I think if they can't run the football this week, they're toast. It's over. They're 8-9 and they're out. They have to find a way to run the football this week. It's their best chance at beating Buffalo. And I thought in that situation yesterday, if you're going to go for it, I can live with it. Line up and run the damn football. And they didn't do that. They ran some stupid-ass sprint out where it was all route. They, they had a bunch of route bleeding. Nobody was open, and he takes a sack. That, that was my issue with it. The fact that they did that, and then they ran a crappy play like that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm just surprised. Look, Nick Folk has single-handedly won you games this year. I mean, if you're going to keep trusting him, you trust him to ice the game there. Like, you don't Well, he has him. struggled of late, and I guess my sure. question well, – well, well, let me just ask you this, though. Do you think that that's why they went for it? Do you think that there might be a little bit of a lack of faith there, or am I reading too much into it? No, I think a little bit. I also do think – that was in the end with the construction too, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe that had something to do with it too. Um, I'm with you. There's one other thing I wanted to point out with the defense, and I don't know what you guys thought. Surprisingly, there was no pass rush yesterday uh, against the no, Bengals. not really. But, and it, of all games, for that pass rush to not be effective, that's a little worrisome going into 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 Buffalo. But, um, yeah, just situationally, it's still they're still confusing to watch. And you're right. It, we've been saying it for weeks now. It doesn't feel like a Belichick coach team. Yeah, I. You know, there are a couple calls that I sort of disagree with. There was the one early on third and one when they, I think it was it looked like it was a play action. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember it as well. But I was thinking that they were sort of going to take a shot on third down and then run the ball on fourth down, which I don't think is always a terrible idea. It just didn't work out. You know, it just it 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 just it just didn't work out. So I, you know, I think you're not going to get a lot of style points this time of year. You you just got to go with it or go or go against it. And uh, you know, I we'll see. It, the 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 opponent gets so much tougher. You know, going forward with Buffalo, that they can't have those you know missed plays. And so I we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, you know, and getting back to the running game for a sec, they rushed for 77 yards yesterday. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, eight carries, 42 yards. Damian Harris, nine for 32. Kendrick Bourne, one for two. Mac Jones, three for one. It's not going to get it done this time of year, guys. And I know that I and, and I know that as a coach and as an analyst, I'm a proponent of the running game. But this time of year, especially when you're a 
a, a six or a seven seed. Your ability to run the football, shorten the game, dictate the terms is really important. And they have not, as I said, they have not been able to run the football effectively now for two months. And then you look at that yesterday, and that's just flat out gross. I mean, you're averaging 3.7 yards a carry. It's inexcusable. And I understand that this offensive line has not been very good. Trent Brown took his 13, his league-leading 13th penalty yesterday. They struggled in pass pro. It seems like Mac didn't have a lot of time in certain situations, and it, which was interesting because yesterday, uh, and again, it, this is what makes Matt Patricia and this offense so puzzling. Yesterday, they were all about the deep ball, they especially on second down. They 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 threw the ball down the field a bunch yesterday. So again. Is that a byproduct of the fact that they looked at this Miami secondary without Xavier Howard? They felt that, hey, we will have more time. They're going to be without Bradley Chubb. The pass pro should be better. Maybe we can win some one-on-ones down the field based on what they're doing coverage-wise. Miami does tend to play a lot of man coverage. I'm, I'm guessing that's what that was about. But again, this offense, and, and, and I said this to start the show, I don't want to beat the dead horse here, but again, a lot of what they were doing yesterday – at least through my coaching lens, they were throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it sticks. And in at the end of the day, you can get in. I mean, you can either beat Buffalo on Sunday or backdoor your way in if you get a couple of breaks. But you want this team to be a playoff team when the when they don't have an identity on offense. They can't run the football. Their passing game is hit or miss. They 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 really are what they are on offense. And I think at this point. It's not going to get better on Sunday. I don't expect this offense to play much better on Sunday when they haven't consistently done it for 17 weeks now. No, and I'm glad you brought up the deep balls. One, it is nice to see Tyquan Thornton getting involved. But two, and I specifically wanted to ask you this. I meant to ask you yesterday. Look, I know Devontae Parker is out, but why is Jacoby Myers getting fade balls in the in the red zone? Can you explain that to me? Because I feel like that should be Thornton, no? No, I think it should be Myers. Okay. He's 6'2", no, just... almost 6'3". He scored on the fade ball yesterday. No, I know. It's just not maybe not him – not having him do it throughout the year. Maybe it was just weird to see it yesterday. Um, but I don't know. Why, why should it be Thornton, just out of curiosity? I don't know. Just in my head, he seems like more of that guy. And, again, I'm clearly completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah, know. It was just, I don't, I don't it was see weird that. Yesterday. Um, but, no, overall – I'm glad to see Thornton getting involved. Um, the catch he made down the sideline, the toe tap was phenomenal. So, I mean, if you can do more of that, then great. But um, I'm not expecting it. But you also might get lucky and, you know, if Buffalo wins tonight and things broke out, they might be sitting people. So it might be a backdoor situation either way. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to know whether they're sitting people until Sunday morning, until True. after Kansas yeah. City. Because the thing is, I don't think they're going to be able to sit people if Kansas City wins on Saturday. Yeah. So they, they're going to have to play there. I, I, I don't see how if you're Sean McDermott, especially let's say that everything holds true. Let's say they win tonight, first of all, which I think is a 50-50 proposition. But if they do win tonight, you still need to see what Kansas City does on Saturday before you make that decision. And again, I I don't see them sitting people. I really don't. I, I don't know what you guys think. I, I don't see it. Even if things play out for them, even if they win tonight and let's say – Kansas City loses. I'm not sure they sit people. Yeah, isn't the, I don't know the exact stats on it, but isn't it you know if you sit somebody the week before you have the bye, isn't there more it, like it, it's tough to do and get away with that? 
Um, so I we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's a million schemes here, but I think that the Patriots will get in any way they can, and uh, you know, it's they just want to be in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, in terms of just getting in, I think for a young team, it's important. You know, we talked about college having those extra practices. For this team, I think any extra experience you can get is huge. It's it just, look, it's going to be ugly, but another week together is another week together. Do you want to talk scenarios real quick since since you brought up the topic? Let's do it. Let's talk scenarios. Oh. We don't have a lot on the plate tonight anyway, so we might as well fill some time here. So here are your AFC scenarios, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, If the Patriots win, they're in. Simple as that. If the Patriots tie and the Dolphins win, the Dolphins are in. If the Patriots tie, the Dolphins lose or tie, the Steelers win, the Steelers are in. If the Patriots tie, the Dolphins lose or tie, the Steelers lose or tie, the Patriots are in. You get all that so far? If the Patriots lose and the Dolphins win, the Dolphins are in. If the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose or tie, and the Steelers win, the Steelers are in. If the Patriots lose, the Dolphins tie, the Steelers lose or tie, the Dolphins are in. If the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose, and the Steelers tie, the Steelers are in. If the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose, the Steelers lose, and the Titans win, the Jaguars are in, and the Titans would clinch the AFC South. And finally, if the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose, the Steelers lose, the Titans lose, the Patriots are in. So did you get all that? <laughs> I, can't, now, I, I can't even follow it at this point. Well, here's the thing. Two teams that I have a rooting interest in are in winning your in scenarios, Green Bay and New England. Um, would you want them to get in at eight and nine? Let's say they lose Sunday and things break their way. Would you want them to backdoor in as a seven seed at eight and nine? I thought to me, and I said this to a friend of mine yesterday, if you had said this to me 10 years ago, that they would backdoor their way into the playoffs with a losing record in the Bill Belichick era, I would have told you I think that's inconceivable. There's no way that they're ever going to get to a point where they're backdooring in with a losing record. But it's very possible on Sunday. I mean, would you want them to get in with a losing record at eight and nine? You yeah, have to. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I think you have to. It's it's still the playoffs. Anything can happen to that other team. It could be a key injury. It could be a guy that does whatever. Any, any chance you can give yourself, you take it 100%. Yeah, no, I'm with you again. If This is a pretty young team, so – any playoff experience you can get, you know, I'd take it. But the, the funny thing about the scenarios is, you know, it brings me back to being whatever, 12, 13, before just really right around the Pete Carroll era. You know, when you were looking at those those scenarios every week, hey, can they get in? Um, it's very different than, you know, the 13 and 30 guaranteed AFC divisional round years that, that we all grew accustomed to. There's kind of a fun element to, to the scoreboard watching and all that, like, I think that's a cool part of it. Um, I think fans just, they're still not used to having to be mediocre like everybody else. So um, I think it's great. I love the drama. And um, look, again, we're all going to be watching various games next week, trying to see what happens with the Patriots. So there's a fun element to it. But for the team, yeah, I think it's important to get in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if they're that young for one. And I'm not sure. I mean, don't forget, they made the playoffs last year. They backed so, last year, you, too. Right. Your rookies obviously would get that experience. But I, I 
I guess you're right. I think if they backdoor in at eight and nine, hey, you're in the playoffs. It's single elimination. You never know what could happen. More than likely, they'd either end up going to Kansas City or Cincinnati, assuming Buffalo secured the number one seed. So, you know, it it, it depends on your perspective. My thing is this. I'm, I don't think this team is good, in, good enough if they do get in. They're not going to upset anybody. They're going to lose in the first round. They might be more competitive than last year's 47-17 to 17 debacle in Buffalo, but I don't, I don't foresee them knocking a two-seat off. I, it's just not going to happen, in my opinion. I just don't think this team is very good right now, especially on offense. Now, where you do have a shot, I will say this, where you do have a shot is your defense is playing really well. And if, and if Judon and Uche are on and that pass rush is on and they can get that back seven healthy, they're certainly athletic enough on the back end. And we've seen it this year with the number of defensive touchdowns that they've scored where this defense could really affect the game. So this defense will give you a chance. But again, realistically speaking, we've talked about this since July. This offense sucks. I don't see any scenario where they're good enough to get you the requisite points to win a playoff game in advance. So your defense may keep you in a playoff game, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to do enough to steal it for you to get you into the next round. And even then, as you guys know, the matchups get tougher and tougher. You are watching slash listening to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by my partners, the incomparable Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. I do want to remind you, if you are looking into selling your current home or you're a first-time home buyer and want to get pre-approved, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. You can also visit situate.mortgageright.com and email your questions that way. Herb and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends. They will get back to you. The market is starting to heat up now. We're into the new year. Before you know, we'll be into the spring. And the market will be active again, although the market's pretty active in the winter months as well. If you are ready to buy or sell and you need an experienced loan officer or an experienced individual in the mortgage industry, well, then Herb Devine is that guy. Give him a call again at 781-254-2846, or you can email him at situate.mortgageright.com. All right, let's look ahead to this Buffalo game. I think we're all, in our minds, we don't think they can win this game, right? We don't think they can win. Even though they went up there and won last year, I think if you, if you ask anybody that remembers that game, they'll tell you the weather was the reason why they won. They only threw the ball three times in that game. Weather's not going to be a factor this weekend. It's supposed to be about 32 degrees and cloudy. So the weather will not impact this game, really. So with that said, all things being equal, can they go up there and win? I don't think so. Um, the only way I could see them winning the game is if the defense pulls three or two or three turnovers, you don't turn the ball over at all, and a lot of wacky stuff happens. I mean, talent-wise, the Bills are a better team. Uh, and that's not saying anything new. It's just how it is. That's not Stone-esque hyperbole. You're 100% right. I just feel like, I don't know, there's something about this team hanging in the way they have that makes me not totally count them out. I mean, really, it's the defense, but, you know, maybe that's just the identity of this team, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like they're better than Buffalo. I, I, they, they, it's all got to go right. They got to play a perfect game on offense and then they're going to need the, the defense to make some plays and, you know, it's possible, uh, but I, you know, I don't think so, but it's, 
you know, we'll see. But I think the way the defense turns the ball over and turns those points into turns those turnovers into points, I can't totally discount them. Yeah, I'm with you, Adam. For me, John, you mentioned it earlier. They need to run the ball and run it effectively. Keep the Buffalo offense off the field. Uh, that's first and foremost. But yeah, it's about the defense. Like, do I think they can score 14 points off turnovers? Yeah. And like, you can't go into every game kind of expecting that. But at this point, you're almost surprised when they don't score. Um, so do I think they will? No. But I think they can. And I, I know it's the NFL, and I know Buffalo's going to have a lot to play for. But at some point, do they start overlooking the Patriots at all? No, probably not, but it could be an element. So do I think they can? Yes. Do I think they will? No. Well, again, as we said earlier, I think a lot of this will depend on what Buffalo has at stake here. A lot of it will actually depend on what happens in tonight's game. If Cincinnati wins tonight, then Buffalo has a lot to play for. If Buffalo wins tonight and Kansas City, let's say, were to lose on Saturday if they were upset by the Raiders, then that maybe changes the equation here a little bit. And and maybe Buffalo does only play certain stars that sits Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Now, if that happens, you have a shot. I still don't see that happening, though. I think Sean McDermott's an old-school guy. I think he's going to want to play his guys. Look, Buffalo's 5-1 and one in their last six meetings against the Patriots. Don't think that beating the Patriots and sweeping them in the season series doesn't matter to this franchise. New England has something like a 77-48 and 48 record against the Bills in, in, in this series. They have dominated them through the years. And, and even, even going into the early 90s, obviously in the early 90s, with the K-Gun Bills there with Jim Kelly, Marv Levy, they, they dominated the, the series. But you take those years out of it, New England has been the dominant team in this series throughout the history of this rivalry. But Buffalo has owned them the last three years. Prior to this five out of six for the Bills, the Patriots had won seven in a row in the series. So for me, when I look at this, if this offense were better, if it operated better, if we could trust them more, then I'd say, yeah, they can go up there and win. They played well up there through the years. Look, they went up there and won last year. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility. You go back to 2020, if Cam Newton doesn't fumble on that drive late in the fourth quarter, they probably score and win that year up there. So they have traditionally played really well in Buffalo, and they've owned the Bills up there. Now, Buffalo's a better team. Make no mistake about it. As you mentioned, Adam, I think when you look at that roster, they're clearly better. And I don't even think Buffalo's that good skill-wise, to be honest with you. I think it's Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and everybody else. But they're better than the Patriots. They're more explosive offensively than the Patriots. And I think the only chance that New England has here, and Kevin, you mentioned this, is if the defense plays really well, you win the turnover battle, you generate turnovers, and you find a way to run the football and cut this thing in half. Because if you don't shorten the game, if you don't win the time of possession, if you don't finish your drives, whether it be field goals or touchdowns, you can't beat this team. And I don't think, again, I think Buffalo can be very pedestrian on offense. I don't think that they're this, this explosive big play team that's going to run you out of the place. Despite the fact that they hung 47 on this defense in that playoff game last year, that's not who they really are. They're more of a team that's going to score between 24 and 31 a game. The problem is 21, 24 to 31 against the Patriots gets the job done because their offense stinks. They're not very good. You'll be lucky to get 21 or, or 24 points out of them. So if the offense were better with the way this defense is playing, I'd like their chances. But again, with an offense like this, 
I just don't see it, guys. I, I just don't. And Buffalo, by the way, opened up as an eight-point favorite in this one. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't cover. It, it would not shock me if they only won like 27-24. If the Patriots played really well knowing that their playoff lives are on the line. But I, I just I, – I, a lot would have to go their way in order for them to win this game. Yeah, I mean, when they were here, the final score was, what, 24-10? 24-10. Yeah, yeah so, they I played mean, them tough. They hung yeah. with them. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen it. Like, you know this defense can can at least slow them down a little bit. Now, obviously, it's different at home, and um, that was a Thursday night. But, look, the defense can keep you in it. They have all year. Um, we keep saying it. But at some point, the offense needs to just flip that switch. And I, I don't know if they can. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just – I go back to this defense – it, like what they're doing right now shouldn't happen, you know. Like it, 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 you never see that really. Even around the league, you don't see, you know, the team just getting on a roll like that and staying on it. I mean, it, it just it reminds me of just that that Bengals game when they had the pick and pick six and they got all the way back in it. Like I think that Bengals team is probably even a little bit more talented than Buffalo, uh, sort of all over the field almost. So I look. I don't want to count them out because you know it's possible, but it's we'll see how it goes. And I, I think um, it'll be a fun, fun, fun thing to see, no matter what happens. Yeah. No, well, I think we all agree Buffalo is going to win. We're all picking them. Um, but if we were to play the game here in terms of the number, I would not be surprised if the Patriots played them really tight. And they ended up losing by by seven or less. That would not surprise me. This is from a, from a gambling standpoint. This would be a tough one to to play. I mean, in your heart, you're saying Buffalo is going to run them out of the joint, take them as a favorite. But that number's tough to me. That number is really tough. And the fact that right now it's sitting at eight, it's actually okay because if you decide to play the number, uh, you know what? If it was at seven, I think it's a tougher play. But at eight. You can you can be more comfortable taking New England as a possible dog there. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's uh, shift gears here real quick. We'll do a little bit of college and high school before we wrap up this week's show. Of course, today we unveiled our Division One All New England College Football Team, and and after a, about a month of research and number crunching and studying all conference lists and whatnot, uh, we unveiled our list today. We have three teams and an honorable mention. Gentlemen, I would imagine you had an opportunity to look at the list, even though it's my list. Just some thoughts on this this all-New England team. And and I guess my question to you guys is, when you look at some of the names that are on this list, did we get it right? Because, Adam, you and I have talked about this with a lot of these preseason and postseason lists. It's a guaranteed way to get crap from people out there. Yeah, I think – it's it's so hard to do these lists just because you're not going to remember everybody and not everybody's going to make it. So somebody's going to be upset one way or the other. But I feel good about your knowledge about college football in this region. Uh, and it's just it's just a difficult thing because any list like this, there's somebody's not going to like it. So um, I think it's worth doing. And I think it's a lot of fun to see, you know, who makes it and who doesn't. But it is hard. Yeah, no, when you set the original list, my first thought originally was, holy crap, the amount of talent that's around here. Well, um, 
it's quarterback position to your point, Kevin. Quarterback position was tough. Yeah, it was tough because we had we had some really good quarterback play around here this year. And hell, even the third teamers, like those kids could be second or first teamers in, in, in some other places. So to me, the biggest thing with this list, A, like you guys said, you're never gonna make anyone happy. We've all learned that. Um, but B, just the the un, the amount of underrated talent that's still in this area and that's continuing to develop year in and year out. Um, it's again, you're going to give me crap for hyperbole, but it's kind of a golden age for, for New England college football right now, just in terms of how many teams not only have good players, but how many teams are competitive. I mean, every single team that we covered this year for the most part was in contention, at least what halfway through the year. And, and that just, again, it speaks to just how good the football is around here now. Um, and I think people, especially nationally, are are kind of catching up. But if if anyone goes and takes a look, look if I could speak at this list, um, there's talent just up and down, one through three. Um, every team is legitimate. So uh, well done by you. And and again, you're never going to make anyone happy. So um, it is what it is. No, I think as I mentioned. Quarterback, a lot of talent at the quarterback position. I mean, you, you look at Matthew Sluka at Holy Cross. He was our first-team quarterback. Second-team, Max Brosmer had a tremendous year at UNH. He was our second-team quarterback. Kasim Hill was our third-team quarterback. But even our honorable mention quarterbacks, you know, when you look at Zevi Eckhaus at Bryan, despite the fact that they didn't have the year we thought they were going to have, he had a terrific year statistically. Uh, Marquise McRae at Sacred Heart had a really nice year, despite the fact that they underachieved. Um, but, but to your point also, you're, you're only going to be able to put so many people on these lists. And I added some people really late. Um, and I, you know, we even had a, a, an individual out there who complained about the number of Holy Cross kids we had on the list. I, I think he missed the kids he was complaining to me about because they were on the list. Um, but for me, this isn't the Holy Cross all conference team. This is we're, we're covering 16. No, it couldn't have been. We're covering 16 oh. Division One programs. You know what I mean. And there are a lot of good players in those other programs that should be recognized. And, yes, you could complain as to whether or not we should have put some of these kids in our honorable mention list versus first, second, or third team, and that's fair. Feel free to complain about that. But the reality is it's more than just the numbers here. you got to look at the impact and and, and the, the production – hand in hand. It can't just be look at the production and the team's record and go from there. I mean, look at UMass. UMass won one game last year, but they got a ton out of Jalen Mackey, the Dartmouth transfer. They got a ton out of Marcus Cushney, the the, the Florida State transfer. Both of them were really good. Um, when, when you look at in the secondary, when you look at a corner, they got a ton out of Jordan Mahoney, who most people when you look at this UMass defense, you look at the numbers, they played much better than they did the previous two years. But Jordan Mahoney was one of the best corners in the country statistically last year in terms of coverage rate and passes defended and all those things. It's not even necessarily the basic numbers like tackles and interceptions. So UMass only wins one game, but those guys were terrific for them defensively. You have to, those guys have to be on these lists. So uh, I think that we did a really good job. There, and, and Adam, you know this doing the high school list. You know, there's some positions where there's so much talent there, guys are going to get squeezed. Like, for example, on defense, that linebacker, I had a really hard time with linebacker because 
Look at our first team linebackers, Jackson Mitchell. I mean, he's the linchpin of that UConn defense. He's the best linebacker in New England. You got Jack McGowan, weak side linebacker at Harvard, tremendous. Joe Andreessen had an unbelievable season for Brian, and I wrestled with him and Liam Anderson for a first-team linebacker. But Andreessen, I just kept coming back to Joe. And, and in fairness to Liam, I, I didn't see Liam play live, but I saw Joe play live twice. He's just He's just a different dude. He's just a different dude. He was the straw that stirred the drink for Bryant defensively. He was tremendous. Um, but then you look at our second-team linebackers. I mean, Adrian Otero had a great career at Maine. Um, Jalen Mackey, as I said, had a big year for UMass. And Holy Cross is Liam Anderson. They were our second-team linebackers. So my point is there's a lot of talent there, and there's going to be a lot of talent back at that position next year. Guy to watch is Bryce Shaw at UNH. I think he's primed for a big senior season next year. So, um, again, I think when we do these these teams, I think it's important to understand that we we feel that it's important that we represent all of the programs we cover. We can't just focus on one, two, or three teams and then kind of throw everybody else on an honorable mention list. It's not the way it works. The reality is there are a lot of players that had really good seasons that should get recognized. We believe that this, uh, that this all-New England team does that. All right, let's shift gears here real quick and talk a little bit about high school. Of course, Adam, you're going to be unveiling your uh, all-MIAA um, teams this weekend, and we're also going to do um, just a – we're also going to do a, a, a regional team that uh, that I've been working on as well, but but it won't be nearly as extensive as Adams. Adams is the 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 all-state team in Massachusetts. Just some thoughts. You've been working on it now for weeks since the end of the season. Just some thoughts on that team and what can people look forward to? I think, you know, you work so hard on stuff like this, and it's like I said, some people won't be happy. I mean, you you were talking about this with linebacker. The quarterback position in Massachusetts is unbelievable. And it's really been this way since a lot of these guys were freshmen. These guys, we're talking about three, four year starters in some uh in some some instances. We gonna we're gonna have two for first place, second place, first first team, second team, and third team, and then there's some honorable mentions. And there's some guy that'll be in the athlete category because, frankly, it's the only way to get as many of these guys on that deserve it. And I really do believe these guys that we've picked are deserving. I mean, it's the the quarterback position in Massachusetts has been so good these last few years. Um, it's just it's just outrageous. So you know, I think people can look forward to some great players being honored. It's 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 a tremendous group of players. Really, every position, but the the quarterback one sticks out because you will have guys who aren't first, second, and third who would be second and first some years, and so you just gotta roll with it. <laughs> and um, it's it's fun doing it. The thing I like about it, I, I know it's a hard thing to do, but it's so much fun because you end up watching so much film of great quarterbacks, and these even these guys that you pick, you didn't realize how good they were until this point in the season. So it's, um, you know, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I watch so much film of these guys. You know, these are guys that I saw during the season in person and you want to, you know, keep it up. So I think it's just a, it's just a fun thing to do. And I, you know, it's just, 
it's it's one of the best things about this job is recognizing the great talent on the field for these for these different schools. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And, and, and again, like we say, we and we don't. And by the way, when we say it's a labor of love, we're not looking for pats on the back here. We're just saying that oftentimes, I mean, we have conversations all the time about these pre and postseason lists and and we don't put anything out unless we talk about it and i think it's important that you know are there going to be times you miss someone yeah and are there going to be people that are going to notice that you miss someone yeah and you'll hear from them but um but but just know that that these lists don't make themselves and the reality is a lot of work goes into trying to figure out who belongs where and where you should put them in and i'll be honest with you when i look at my all New England college list that I compiled. Yeah, there might be some guys you can move around. You can make an argument for Liam Anderson being first team versus second team. You can make an argument for a lot, you know, for for all the Holy Cross offensive linemen they, that were on there. You could put them on the other teams. The the point is that ultimately you look at the production of the player, you look at the production of the team, and you kind of go from there. But the number one thing you look at is the production of the player, and it goes beyond the raw numbers. You also have to take into consideration how long have they been playing, uh, how many games have they started. Things like that do factor into it in, in terms of where you put guys. But either way, if you're a New England college football fan when it comes to Division One college football in New England, I think you'll appreciate this list. And uh, I think this weekend you, you'll have a greater appreciation for Adam and the work he does um, because uh, when we unveil our All-State teams, it's, it's a pretty impressive list. We're also going to un- unveil – our uh, championship award guys, award winners. We're going to have a division, uh, a coach of the year and player of the year for each division, all eight divisions in Massachusetts. So we're going to announce those this weekend as well. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? And yes, Kirkchen, it's a smart move that you took the under. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do it a special way here. (laughs) Final thoughts. Stone, anything? No, nothing. Big one this weekend. We'll, uh, We'll be enjoying all week, so keep following. Yep. Yeah. Kirchin, any final thoughts? I mean, this is the this is the best time of year for football. It's also the worst because it's almost over. <laughs> it's almost over. And 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 again, I get this question, it seems on a weekly basis. So what are you guys gonna do now? There's plenty to do. We're gonna be starting up the next week, we're gonna be starting up the recruiting visit and the coaches chat once again. And we have our off-season Patriots coverage, and we still have another cycle of recruiting to go here. And then we have the NFL draft, and then we have pro days, and then we have camps and combines. Trust me when I tell you there is no off-season in football. Uh, we can attest to that. So, well, that'll do it for this week's show. As always, I want to thank our sponsor, Mortgage Right, and our good friend, Herb Devine. For Kevin Stone, Adam Kirchin, I'm John Serenitas. We'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year. See you.